0: Chapter Review show. It's a chapter Review show. Chapter preview show. It's a chapter Review
1: show. Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with
0: us? Then listen on.
2: again. Your host Cam Soley is here and here I am interviewing another talent who's been on here multiple times but it's time for his close-up. It's Brayden D. White. How are you sir?
3: I'm doing very well. How are you?
0: I'm
2: fine. I'm fine. So we are here to again cover your martial arts and filmography. So tell us a little about how you decided you wanted to blend uh action movies that you grew up loving with your personal passions um
3: i think um in order to do that let me start by describing where my love of martial arts and film came from because it all stems from the same thing when i when i was growing up um I have, I have two brothers. I have an older brother who is two years older than me, and I have a younger brother who is five years younger than me. So when I was growing up, uh, my older brother uh, was into Power Rangers, and by watching him watch Power Rangers, I got into Power Rangers. And um, that's where it started, just me loving to watch Power Rangers. And then... Before I even knew what action movies really were, I would just see like uh, my dad or uh, sometimes my grandma be watching Walker, Texas Ranger. And I'd be in before I even really knew what martial arts were as a whole, I would just see the way they would fight on like Walker, Texas Ranger, or something and be like, wow, they're fighting like the Power Rangers. And then (laughs) I think I was like seven whenever I finally learned the term martial arts and karate and it grew from there like um it started from me wanting to be a power ranger and then i was 10 years old when my dad signed me up for my first karate lessons with a guy that he worked with and at the time he was a seven degree black belt and uh uh probably should explain that my parents split up when i was very young so hmm. I would I would live with my mom during the school year and visit my dad in the summer and and no need to feel sorry for me or anything. They I, I don't really have any memory of my mom and dad being together, but you know, I'm no worse for where I had a great life. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Right. And so I would come visit my dad and he made a deal with me. He's like, Hey, your mom tells me you made good grades. Then I'll sign you up for karate class. So I made good grades. He signed me up for karate class. And I was 10 years old. And, but I specifically remember a point and I was like eight years old. I was watching this one movie and there was kids like my age and they were doing karate and they were beating up adults. I don't remember the movie. Three ninjas. But they were. <laughs> um, actually, I think it was one of those actually. Um, nice. But yeah, they were, they were beating adults and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is something I can do. And I remember my dad calling me downstairs at his house and we watched it together. And I remember just offhandedly saying, you know what, I think I could do this. And I think I'll start probably age 10 or 11. But, you know, I had no idea that how right I really was because at 10 years old was when I started taking karate. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, I learned who Jackie Chan and Jet Li and Bruce Lee and all these different people were. And my love just grew from there, really. Uh, very neat.
2: And when did it just click that, you know, these guys were icons? They were kind of your heroes, and you wanted to kind of be some kind of hero
3: in some capacity. Um, I don't really have a moment where it clicked where I had an epiphany and said, man, these are icons. Like... at at, this point yeah like i didn't at that time in my in my martial arts journey per se i i had no idea the cultural significance of the movies they were making you know what i mean to me they were just making some kick-ass action movies but um i do i do remember um like i said don't remember the exact moment but i do remember having the conversation with myself that I want to do these types of movies because I was doing karate and I was like, these guys are getting paid real money to do karate on TV. I want to be one of those guys. Very cool. And, uh,
2: what, so a little backtrace. trace, uh, what inspired you other than, again, just spiritually, just, Loving the martial arts and just just seeing how badass it can
3: be. What was it also just say you know, health and fitness? Honestly, it like I would like to say that I have some sort of spectacular story about, you know, I saw how much discipline it gave me. I wish I had some sort of story like that. But honestly, it just on a much, much simpler level, I just enjoyed doing it. It was something that I found fun. You know how, like, you have people who go to the park and they, they like playing baseball or basketball? Martial arts was it for me. I, I just found it fun. To me, whenever I'd go to karate class, it was, like, it, it would be the equivalent of going to the park every weekend for a pickup game. Uh, for, for sure. And so, like I said, I, I wish I had some sort of story. Be like I saw how much discipline it gave me. I saw the the values that it brought to my life. No, I just I had fun with it.
2: Oh, good. Okay, okay. Uh,
3: who was your mentor? Um, like personal mentor? Yes. Yeah. Um, we trained you. well, I've I've had I've had a few. Um, I will say that my my first instructor, who is also now again my current instructor, his name is uh Master Mark Haley. Uh, When I first started training under him, he was a 7th degree black belt, and he is now currently an 8th degree black belt. And um, he is actually in the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I forget what year, somewhere in the 2003 to 2006 range. But he is in the the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame as Shotokan Instructor of the Year. And like I said, he worked with my dad. And you know he's he's like five foot four he's he's old and decrepit now, but he he still messed you up, but he was the one he was the one who set the bar for me like I've been in and out of karate classes uh, uh, well let me let me explain this a little bit better. I trained with him for a summer, and then when I turned thirteen, I decided to start living with my dad, and I trained with him throughout that school year. Then he moved because he had a promotion with work. And so ever since then, I've been in and out of dojos. I did boxing for a little bit. I took about a three year hiatus to do school sports. And then I picked it back up right before my senior year of high school, but I never fully quit. You know, i was still practicing the stuff that I did know. And so then I found new classes and I, I altogether now probably been in and out of, out of about 10 or 12 different styles, but he was the one who set the bar. Like, If I went into this class and I felt like and it reminded me of a class that he would teach, then I knew that was going to be a good class. But uh, some other personal mentors that I have um, would be, let's see, um, an instructor who put a lot of time and effort into me. He doesn't teach anymore, though. Um, His name is Jim Fortner um i learned a lot from him uh both good and bad but uh i would say the good the good memories far outweigh the bad but uh but i trained under him he was probably the longest instructor i had i trained with him on and off for about seven years and so i learned a lot from him and then a couple other my personal mentors one is uh uh steve Rizak junior and senior they're a father-son team they teach they teach class out of out of a garage in tulsa oklahoma and i trained with them for about two years and probably they call themselves a meat and potatoes karate school because they don't do a lot of the the fancy stuff they don't do like forms or anything like that they just basically what it is um, they call it Freestyle Karate, but essentially at its core, it's combat kickboxing, and I love it. They they do a really good job over there. And another one, which is a little bit more personal to me now, is uh, my good friend, Master Louis Cruz, who recently just passed away due to COVID-19. He was also slated to be in my next movie, but unfortunately, he passed away before we could shoot anything. So we are now making the film in his memory, but... Uh he was also like a big brother to me, and he's a man that will be missed greatly not just by me but all of his students and of course his his family, his fiance, and his two sons as well
2: sure and I saw your tribute to him, and he just seemed like just again everyone
3: just resonated with him oh uh, yeah and in, in the town that he lived in he was he was borderline legendary. Everyone knew who he was in that town. For sure, for sure. And
2: uh, all the getter, uh what, what skill would you say you're most experienced in? Obviously, you're experienced in all of them, but what, what's your
3: go-to style for martial arts? Uh, my, uh, my go-to style, I consider Shotokan Karate to be my base uh, because, one, that's the style that I started in, and, two – um, that's where a lot of my foundation comes from. Like, like I said, I've dabbled in boxing and kickboxing and Taekwondo and stuff like this, but, uh, Shodokan karate is what I, uh, I've always considered myself to be a part of mainly due to the fact that that's where I started and I never really abandoned those roots. You know what I mean? Everything, everything, let me, let me word this a little bit better. Everything that I've learned since up to this point everything that i've learned since has been in addition to my Shotokan. it hasn't taken its place or anything like that so i would consider Shotokan to be Shotokan karate to be what i call my base style okay very neat very neat and
2: uh when you started integrating in boxing uh what was that around the same time that you were kind of noticing that Uh, mixed martial arts was kind of
3: rising in popularity a bit um actually i would even consider even still to this day i'm not the biggest fan of mixed martial arts like i i enjoy watching it from time to time but i'm not i'm not one that catches all the ufc fights on pay-per-view or anything like that um really what it just came down to was options like i said uh my karate teacher moved when i was 13 so i didn't have a school but turn of events my science teacher in eighth grade is a former pro boxer he has stats on the internet and everything his name is Barry Audia and he was known as the Pennington Pounder because his hometown his hometown here in Virginia is Pennington Gap so he was known as the Pennington Pounder and he told me he was like hey I got some MMA guys that work out at my gym and you know they I have a couple bags that if you want to if you want to throw some kicks, you can throw some kicks, and so basically, I just it was basically out of not wanting to stop training but not really having any other options to go. So I went, I started taking boxing, and I worked out with these MMA guys towards the end of class, and we worked on some kicks, and like I said, it was not really it really didn't have I will say the MMA really didn't have an effect on my decision to join the boxing gym and the fact that I didn't want to learn MMA, but it was the fact that there were MMA guys that trained there, and I wanted somebody there to help me so I could keep training my kicks and my karate and stuff like that.
2: Okay, very cool. And uh, how would you describe your, uh, your various moves that you're able to demonstrate?
3: Um how would I describe them? Um, I've been told that someone my size should not be able to move the way that I can. And it's because um, over the last seven years, I would say I've put on roughly a hundred pounds, but I've been training almost consistently for that entire time. So I never really lost any of my ability. It's just some of it became harder to do Mm. because of my size. Now I have more weight. Like if I'm throwing a spinny kick, I have to throw it a little bit harder. I I can still do it. It just takes more effort. So I would say uh, what I used to jokingly refer to as, uh, I I would say, especially when I was like in my late teens and early 20s, I would say that I'm bimble which is big and nimble. So I would say I'm bimble. <laughs> nice. But basically, um, yeah, I've just been told that someone my size should not be able to move the way that I can. And it goes both ways. People are, are almost mad that I can move the way that I can and I have people that are really, really impressed. Okay. Very neat. So,
2: all together, would you also say that you know you're getting great feedback like that, and that's just you're just in an overall positive environment growing up in addition to uh, everyone
3: encouraging you to you know go for this yeah yeah like i i would I would totally say that I grew up in a positive environment, like I said, you know, just because my parents split up, my parents split up when I was around two years old, that doesn't mean that you know I was lucky enough to to have parents who, who um didn't use the kids as bargaining tools you know what i mean they they tried their best to work everything out in the best interest of me and my brother so so i i can honestly say that i grew up in. um i'm not gonna say that everything was happy because you know every family has their their issues and stuff i'm not gonna say that i was you know a perfect kid because i got in trouble but I, I will honestly say that I I grew up in a positive and constructive environment. I can I can honestly say that. Okay, that's great that you can attest
2: to that. Um. And all together, um. Uh. So when when came the time for when you decided, hey, you know, okay, I've I've had a good, solid upbringing. I've had you know, just always practicing. Uh, my skill set and everything uh when when did you finally decide hey i want to actually kind of incorporate this into some kind of movie whether it's you know a low budget you know kickboxing film or an actual mainstream Um, movie
3: (laughs) i would say the time when i really decided that i wanted to take doing movies seriously um i will honestly say the time that i made up my mind that i wanted to do it um i had no legitimate means of trying to make it happen i remember being 13 years old and i had a computer class and after i would get done with my assignments i would start writing scripts and this one script that i had in my mind like It was, I found it, I found it not long ago, like about a year ago, I refound it on one of my old hard drives and I almost cried. It was so bad, but in my, (laughs) in 13 year old me's mind, this was going to be the movie that put me into stardom. I was going to have Jet Li play my, my Kung Fu teacher. And then like, like I said, I found it about a year ago on an old hard drive and like it physically hurt to read. It was so bad. But uh, that was that was when I was 13, and then uh, I would say I was about 18 when um, there was actually one specific movie that I was watching that made me realize, and you know, it, it's something that's rang true for a while. I just never really put two and two together until after watching this movie. And I'll say it like this. When you have a big budget movie, I think a perfect example, two perfect examples of this are the Bourne franchise and the Dark Knight trilogy. When you have franchises that are that big, you have enough money to find an actor who plays the character that you need and they, they also have enough money to hire somebody to train these two actors to be able to at least look like they know what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. If
3: anything, they train them in the choreography. They don't train them in the art itself, but they run through the choreography so much that it looks like they're proficient. Right. And they have enough time to finesse it and make it look good, but they also have enough time to set up like six cameras and they'll cut it together in the editing room. And you really don't know what's going on. Right. With lower budget movies, you don't have that kind of time or luxury, so you have to find somebody who can portray the character that you're looking for, but also has the skill set that you're looking for. Totally. And the movie that I was watching, it's gone by like three different titles. I found like three different titles of it. Um, When I first watched it, it was called American Brawler, and then... I think on like Amazon or Tubi TV, I saw it as Barrio Brawler. Yeah, it was like and 2011, then,
2: 2013.
3: So. Yeah, 2013, and then I and then I saw it called American Pit Fighter. <laughs> but that was the movie because I I'm a big fan of watching the behind the scenes featurettes, and I remember them saying that the reason they were able to get a movie this quality done was because. Basically everyone knew each other already. They were all in the martial arts universe together and they had 14 movies to 14 days to shoot the entire movie. And basically what they did was everyone was working out together anyway. So they just got everybody together and they shot the fight scenes within the first like three days, all the fight scenes of the movie were done in like the first three days and the rest was ironing out the drama and reshoots they had 14 days to shoot that entire movie 14 days man and so that's that's at the point whenever i realized you know what and that's when i really started thinking back and i was like you know what some of these lower budget movies actually are some of my favorite movies because i started thinking back to art of war 2 with wesley snipes and undisputed 3 and never back down 2 and those kind of movies that are you know by hollywood standards are considered low budget. Right. Less than 2 million. I, yeah, and that's when I started thinking, you know what? This is this is something that's doable. So that's when I started taking my screenwriting a little bit more seriously. And of course, I always took my martial arts seriously. And so I figured, well, at this kind of at this kind of level, acting is really not that much of a factor then, is it? So I kind of delayed the acting a little bit. And I didn't, I didn't really start taking acting seriously. Um, well, let's let's go about halfway in between ro- watching Mario Fighter and when I started acting. Um, around that time is whenever the whole Iron Fist thing happened, which a little bit of a plug for both of us here. If you haven't heard about the Iron Fist thing, we have a whole episode about it and it's a really interesting story because nothing about it is conventional in the acting sense but it's a fun story and it was a fun video um you can find it on my youtube channel that's when the iron fist video happened and i will say that before the iron fist video happened i was working on a script that i had had the idea of for let's see at that point probably about five years i'd had the idea for this and basically what triggered me wanting to write that particular version was it was uh i had a dream and uh i had met a friend because i'd also recently just started youtube at this point and i had met a friend through youtube who was also doing martial arts videos And we started talking on Facebook and Snapchat and stuff like that. And I told her about this dream that I had about how we was at a hotel and it got overrun by terrorists. And we basically started doing karate on everybody and and kick butt and took names. And that was the end of it because she was also a black belt in Taekwondo and karate. So, Uh, she was the one who inspired me to actually start my YouTube channel. And so I told her about that and she was like, man, that that sounds like it'd be a really cool movie. And I was like, well, if you wanted to try and do a movie, I've had this other idea for a while. And she was like, man, that sounds cool. You should write it out. And so I started writing it and I wrote it for me, her and uh, my younger brother at the time who was in my karate class. And we were all three going to be in it. And again, this is before I had any kind of resources whatsoever. I just wrote it, and I was like, yeah, we're going to be in it. And that was it. had no idea how I was going to make it happen, but I was going to make it happen. And so then about a year later is when the Iron Fist video happened. And then after tons and tons of rewrites on that one movie, and I had one producer that was interested, but They said that I was kind of glorifying myself too much with the fight scenes. We were making ourselves seem too invincible to be believable. Mm. And also they had an issue with the fact that I was writing it for myself and two friends. And they were like, you're nobodies. I'm not going to put money into this. And I was like, well, the key to this movie is And it's something I did on purpose was even though none of us had acting experience, I wrote the characters as us just with different names. So I didn't think it would be that hard for us to pull them off. But no one was trying to hear that. So. Um, then I took an online screenwriting course and I found out that one of the issues I was making was I was writing the movie in, in relation to what I knew I could get access to. And in screenwriting, that's a no-no. You just let your imagination flow, and then you make the cuts according to what you can afford then. So after I took that screenwriting course, I, uh, I, I essentially shelved that first script that I was working on and then I started writing another one and I I can't explain where it came from I have no idea the origin I would like to say that I had a passion for this subject matter beforehand but I really didn't all I knew was it was a subject that sold well in action movies and that's why I wanted to write it but that was the origin of skin circuit and it just boiled down to me watching a movie and being like, it was a combination of me wanting to do a movie about human trafficking. And I was watching another movie where the main character was a private investigator. And I liked how he portrayed him, And I was like, and I want to play, I want to do a movie where I play a private investigator. Gotcha.
2: And this so is, it all this was,
3: yeah. And, uh, and keep in mind, and I had done a few acting auditions before, but this was also before I started taking acting classes. And I was just getting fed up because no one was, you know, I felt like I I could I could deliver, but no one else, it was either because I didn't have acting classes or I I was starting to put on weight at this point. So that's when people were like, No, you're too heavy and all this other kind of stuff. So I was like, Well, F this. If no one's going to give me a shot, then I'm going to give me a shot, and I'm going to write this movie, and I'm going to star in it. And so um, I actually wrote – i believe it or not, I actually started writing Skin Circuit in my cubicle at my office job that I had at the time. I would like to say that I just had a, a big brainstorm in, in like my, my office or whatever, my workstation at home but no i was i was basically um i was working at a call center at the time and i had my own cubicle and i was in between calls and i just started writing nice. i didn't have any plan all i knew was here's the main character this is how everything's getting started and eventually i wanted to end up here right so I knew who the characters were, I knew the basic storyline, and I knew how I wanted it to end. Everything else I just kind of let happen as it happened. And all together, to finish my first draft between, you know, all together, because every time I get writer's block and I not touch it for a week or so until uh, I watch a movie and something, you know, just clicks in my head. But altogether, it took me about four months to to finish writing Skin Circuit. And then uh, I sat on it for about a year and a half because I knew I didn't just want to just hurry up, rush to get it put out and made because I knew that it was going to be something special. And then, let's see, I finished writing it in about... I would say March or April of 2018. And I just sat on it for, like I said, about a year and a half. And then, uh, uh, when I moved back to Oklahoma in the beginning of 2019, that's when I got signed with my acting agency that I'm with Linda Lehman. And, uh, and they offered a, uh, they do the course twice a year, or at least they did before COVID. Uh, they did the course twice a year, and it was essentially it was an acting class. Like it taught you how to act, but it what its main purpose was to help you envision your scene when you're prepping for an audition. But but it also it all it, with that with teaching you how to immerse yourself in a scene on paper. It taught you how to act, if you know what I mean. That's cool. And so I did that course three times. And it was in between my first and second time that I had gotten an offer to go down and help on a movie about three hours away in your neck of the woods in Denton, Texas. Sweet. And I had... Um, I worked on an, I, I worked as an extra on this short film, and uh, I, w- I was down there for two days. And the first day I worked as an extra, and then the second day they let me help out behind the scenes as a PA. And then I kept in contact with the director of that film, and she was actually the one who suggested. And it started out, we were going to film a short version of Skin Circuit and we were going to submit it for a contest that was in Louisiana.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And so we had made plans that we were going to go location scouting down in Shreveport, Louisiana, but our schedules could never align. And eventually uh, that just kind of fell through, but then she was like, well, I still want to help you make it. And so we started talking about it and I was like, well, I don't even have a script for the uh, for the short version, and there's not really any scenes that I could pull from the feature that would really make sense as a short. And so, basically, what she, what she suggested to me was to take some of the story points from the feature and turn it into a short. So that's what I did. And then a few things happened. Schedules couldn't work out and stuff like that to where she wasn't going to be able to help me. But I had already had these days off for work. So that's when I reached out to my friends over at Head Hammer Studio, which I had previously collaborated on, on a uh, Mortal Kombat spoof called Dragon Combat. That, that should be coming out later this year. And they also helped me with my, uh, my little fight scene, The Drive, on my YouTube channel and so i'd reached out to them and i was like hey i have this short that i was supposed to do during these days i still have my days off and i don't just want to waste them away you know i i set them for this purpose i want to try and do something with this purpose and they were like yeah we could we can make it work so that was in probably the beginning of january and we filmed it the first week of March. So now it was crunch time. And this was my first time. I didn't essentially know what I was doing, but this was my first time being a producer of sorts. I didn't know that's exactly what I was doing, but looking back on it, I was doing the job of a producer. I was this kind getting of, the locations.
2: That just kind of opened up your mind also, just realizing it's like there's so many job titles, but half the time no one really knows
3: what they mean. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's essentially what I was doing, is you know I had to find my cast, I had to find my locations, I had to coordinate schedules, and of course, any organized Hollywood producer would have all this stuff done on paper. No, I'm just trying to be like, okay, I would message this person, hey, what day are you free? I'm free this day. I would go message this person, okay, this person's uh, this this person's free on this day, so we can do this scene then. Any organized person would have this written down on paper. Mine was just going back and forth between about four group chats. <laughs> nice. yeah, exhausting, but hey, whatever we gotta do. And and uh that that led to some tension, I'm not gonna lie. It um, you know, there there was a there was a couple not gonna say arguments, but there was a couple quarrels about scheduling and stuff like that. And which really made the first day. Oh, I'm not even going to say the first day. It made about the first hour of filming a little bit edgy for me. Like I felt like I was walking on glass a little bit, Mm -hmm. but once we got into it and it was really fun, you know, everyone kind of loosened up and we had fun with it. We shot majority of it in three days and then we filmed the next little bit the next week. So I mean it was it was a fun thing, and now um it's still not the highest viewed on my channel, but I will say it's been the most well received on my channel is my my short film skin circuit.
2: This allow you to kind of just see how, hey, you know you're in reception mode where it's like, okay, here's what I want, here's what I'm getting, how do I get to the next wave of where I get what I want you know for in a favorable outcome you know <laughs>
3: Yeah, but also during this time while I'm trying to get uh, Skin Circuit off the ground, even before, you know, I was continuously, you know, writing other scripts as well. So I was constantly evolving my ideas and wanting to do more. I knew Skin Circuit wasn't going to be the end all be all, but I knew that if I had an idea as good as Skin Circuit, I had other ideas that were just as good that just needed to come out. And I actually have uh another I actually had another idea that I remember coming up with even before I came up with Skin Circuit, it just kinda I kinda I kinda forgot about it, you know what I mean? But Okay, I, so it was at the back of your mind where you were just Yeah, it was in the back of my mind. I came up with it and <laughs> I thought it was a cool idea. And I remember trying to write it out a few times, but I never could find uh, I kept notebooks everywhere, and I never could find the right notebook that had everything written out for when I, when I actually wanted to start writing it. And then uh, after I finished writing Skin Circuit, I was like, man, that was kind of fun. I want to write another one now. And, you know, because as much stress as Skin Circuit ca- caused me with uh, writing it and getting writer's block and all that, I had a tremendous amount of fun writing it. And so uh, after that, I started writing this other one, and And I was like, "Well, because I still remember the base idea, I was like, "This is what I want." but I didn't really know what to call it." And so for a while, I would say for about the first for about the first 20 or so pages, it didn't have a title. Mm. just because i couldn't think of what to call it and you know after skin circuit i brought it up to some people and they wanted to go ahead and do it we we were having a good time to do it there were some creative issues and they took it and i have no problems with that they're doing a great job with it um but i also took the same base idea and mixed it with my idea that i had for a sequel and that is eventually what led us to double cross and double cross is the new film that i'm getting ready to start filming uh they're filming some scenes without me uh the week of may 21st because i'm starting a new job and i won't be able to make it out there but there's a ton of scenes that i'm not in so they're gonna go ahead and get those knocked out and then later on in the year when i'm able to get some time, then I'm going to go down there, and we'll, we're going to finish up the movie. Nice. And, you know, it's all copyright, everything, so, you know. Everything. Yes. Everything's, everything's good on, I, I will say this, um, without mentioning any names or movie titles or anything like that, I can 100% say Yes, I'm disappointed that I'm not a part of that other movie anymore, just for the simple fact that I created it, and I will always have a spot in my heart for it, but I can with 100% certainty and 100% honesty and say I 100% support the vision and... I hope that it does extremely well for everybody. Sure. And like I said, cause I haven't had a chance to talk to the other party for us to clear the air at, at this point, as of this recording of this episode, I haven't had a chance to talk to the other party to clear the air, but yes, I'm upset that I'm not a part of it just for the simple fact that I wanted to be a part of it. But beyond that, I hope it does wonders for everyone, and I hope everyone is happy with the outcome. Best way to put it. So
2: seeing other indie action stars like Scott Atkins and Gary Daniels still kicking, uh, uh, who are some people in the indie action industry you think you would love to
3: if opportunity um, – permitted uh collaborate um with. number one on the list is scott adkins i've been looking up to scott adkins since 2009 and i i remember i was in my computer class and i was uh i just finished all my work and i was just searching the internet and that's when his movie ninja was about to come out and they had the trailer out for it so i was like oh, i'll check this out and, you know, Scott Atkins is not a small dude. He's ripped. And so, based on seeing him, I was like, oh, this dude looks like an MMA fighter. They taught him a cool flash, a couple of cool flashy moves, and they're going to call him a ninja. This is about to be a joke. And then, um, because I was actually curious to see who he fought for, like UFC, Strike Force, or whatever. So, I Googled for like two days to find his name. And then when I found his name, I found one of his old show reels from, like, the early thousands. I was like, oh, he's, like, the real deal. (laughs) Like, he's not an MMA fighter. Like, he can really move like this. I was like, oh, okay. We on to something. And then the movie Ninja came out. And uh, um, I hope my dad never hears this because I'm about to tell him myself. But I was actually grounded (laughs) from all my movies at this point. But I went to go visit um, – who Who did I go visit I uh, it was actually my brother's girlfriend uh, we were we we had like a a big old get together or something and I was over at his my brother's girlfriend's house, and her older brother had actually bootlegged it on the d v d and he let me borrow the d v d and that's the first time I saw ninja and Scott Adkins was like top tier ever since then, and ever since then I have not missed a movie that he's put out. And then on top of that, there's some some other people I would I would love to work with um, in the indie world. Anyway, uh, I would love to work with Michael Jai White, Gary Daniels, of course, uh, Dolph Lundgren. Who Dolph Lundgren. Actually, I would like to work with Dolph Lundgren on a movie that he directs. I don't think I don't think there would be a good enough scenario to where it would make sense to where someone of his size and stature would be hanging out with someone like me on a movie. You know what I mean? Like if they would share the screen together, I can't think of a way to where that would make business at a bar
2: and you come on in wanting room (laughs) service.
3: I guess, I don't know, but (laughs) I think I would enjoy the experience more of working with Dolph Lundgren. If I worked with him, if he was directing, like if he was fully behind the camera, Done and I was in front
2: let's hope it continues
3: <laughs> um yeah but Dolph Lundgren's on the list um I would love 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 to work with some of the international stars like Tony Jaw, Eco Ace. uh there's this one guy there's two guys in India that I'm not sure a lot of people hear of that um I would love to I would love to work with uh Uh, Tiger Shroff, he's done the popular Boggy trilogy and they're about to start working on Boggy 4 and um, Viguit Jamwal, he did the Commando series in India those are two guys I would love to work with Um, but in terms of filmmaking on a low budget one of the cheapest places to do an action movie is Thailand and I will do an action movie in Thailand as the main actor before I die, I promise you that. I just don't know when it'll be. But that is on the bucket list to star in an action movie that's filmed in Thailand.
2: Would you like to somehow convince Jeff Speakman to get out of retirement and just like make a cameo in your movie?
3: <laughs> I would absolutely love that. If I felt like I had that kind of pool. And I was able to walk into Jeff Speakman's dojo and be like, hey, I need you in this movie real quick. And he'd be like, Yeah, sure, no problem. I would absolutely love that. However, <laughs> in terms of the Hollywood and film industry, my company practically doesn't exist. I'm not on anybody's radar like that. But if Good. I could get him to if I could get him to play a cameo as a karate teacher at the very least. I would be ecstatic. Okay, very cool.
2: And, uh, I mean, the again, the martial arts uh, scene is always going to be big on home video releases, and now it's on streaming and the internet. Um, Do you think there's any other stars who do actually want to come back, that just haven't had any decent script, or people they want to work with
3: um yeah actually and I've heard this directly from him uh because I actually uh was on a I wasn't on a panel with him but I was he was doing some sort of appearance and I was at his panel and I asked him if he's ever considered coming out of retirement and he says he never officially retired he just wasn't given any opportunities and that is Lauren Avedon who we know from No Retreat, No Surrender two and three, and also King of Kickboxers, where he fought Billy Blanks. I would love to see him come back and make a, another movie. And um, oh, I mentioned would love Billy to Blanks. See, Do you think he would pop up? Um, honestly, as cool as it would be to work with Billy Blanks, in my humble opinion, in terms of a martial artist and an actor and a filmmaker, I think. He is focused right now on doing his Tybo thing, and I think he's content with that. So I don't really see him making a comeback. You know what I mean?
2: Kind of like how Frank Zagarino owns like a home
3: movie theater setup system and doesn't want anything to do with movies it, Yeah, essentially. But I don't think it's because he doesn't like it, or he didn't have a good time when he did it. It's just he's so immersed in the world of fitness and Tybo right now that he's content with that. Okay. Very cool. And Evidan's good mention, uh, Richard Norton. Um, Richard Norton is more behind the scenes now, but I would love to work on a movie with him as like the stunt coordinator. Like I have, I have a couple dream teams. Like if I had this in a movie, this movie would be popping, you know, like, uh, if I had a movie that was directed by Isaac Florentine, uh, the fights were choreographed by Tim Mann and were directed by Richard Norton and I had mm-hmm. Scott Adkins playing the other lead that is a perfect movie in my opinion right there yep. for sure
2: and
3: that's why Accident Man is on the top of my action movie list it's not what I would call a martial arts film per se but it has everything that a martial arts fan would want
2: for sure, for sure. And more or less, uh, what do you think the future is going to be? You know, now streaming's taking over. Do you think it's just um, you know places like TV are going to take your movie? And-
3: <laughs> I think it. Uh, honestly, I I see the good and the bad with streaming coming more and more prominent. Um, one, it levels the playing field for independent filmmakers to compete with Hollywood features, especially a platform like Tubi, because you take a you take a platform like Tubi who has movies for free, but and you have an independent title that looks somewhat interesting. If you see it on the Walmart shelf for ten bucks, you're like, well, I know nothing about any of these people. I don't want to spend my ten bucks on it but then you go home later that night you get on Tubi TV you say that you see that same title and you're like well it's free I'll, it's free on Tubi I'll go ahead and I'll give it a shot so you're you're more apt to to build your audience that way and then if they watch that movie they enjoy it then they're more apt to go back to Walmart the next day and buy that movie right so i think that streaming levels the playing field but at the same time with the fact that it is leveling the playing field there it's become oversaturated with a bunch of garbage like there's a bunch of movies that were uh shot on crappy cell phones and yeah they're an hour and a half long but you know if you don't have a script and if you don't have this or that and you know if literally all you have is a camera you don't have any production value behind it it's garbage and i and honestly i find it funny that uh i see people who make these garbage films and then they go they go on they go on these different uh like platforms and stuff like they'll be on youtube reviewing these movies and like they'll be like uh in the same sentence they'll be like this low budget action movie that just came out that stars michael Jai white was garbage but in the next sentence they'll be like but go pro go go support my movie that i shot that i shot on a on a motorola razor and i spent 20 bucks in a and and a and a pack of gum sandwiches yeah (laughs) yeah and and they're trying and they're saying it's it's on tubi tv go watch it and now i have seen some movies i'm not saying that all movies with that are bad because uh, I have seen a few of them that are good. I own a couple of them that I've bought straight from the filmmaker themselves that just grinded enough to where they were able to make the movies and make them happen. You know what I mean? And a lot of times I won't buy a movie. Like, like when I buy a movie directly from the filmmaker, which I've done a number of times, um, if I'm buying like a DVD directly from the person who made it, it's not a. Uh, it's not. It's more or less the fact that I support the grind. I respect you because you know you don't have a traditional distributor, and you know that your your movie is not going to make a, a huge difference in the world. But you're still out here hustling, trying to get your movie uh, out there, and you're trying to make a nickel. I'll pay you ten bucks for your movie, right? As opposed because to someone who's
2: going around messing with the IMDb reviews or just instigating exactly. arguments exactly. online. <laughs>
3: yeah. I've, 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 I'm, and I'm not just that way with movies. Like when I went to Los Angeles to film my, uh, Iron Fist video, I had a bunch of rappers that did that with their mixtape that would come up and be like, yo, I'm up here. I'm out here trying to grind. I'm out here trying to get a record deal. Here's a, here's a mixtape I made in my basement using uh garage band and pro tools. And I'm like, you know what? I res- I respect the grind. Here's five bucks. Give me that mixtape, right? As opposed to, you know, over marketing or
2: I mean, it, it used to be way worse on Facebook. I I, I want to say maybe circa 2010 to like maybe 2015. There would be people who, I kid you not, were so narcissistic with each other. They would keep sharing the same photos or promotion like within hours apart. I'm like, so. You 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 know you're only supposed to promote yourself once a day, right? <laughs> Just over once a week. Dude,
3: I don't even think like I'm I'm in the middle of trying to generate an audience for Double Cross, and I don't even think I promote myself once a day. I I think I maybe once uh, or twice the, a week.
2: There was a bunch of people. There were filmmakers who would do it, models who would do it, and I'd be like, "Can
3: I saw you an hour ago?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it does it does get a little old but i think it's i think it's a little bit better now especially now that we have our little niche groups on facebook where if you want to promote yourself that's what people want you to do you know what i mean it's a time to evolve versus get oversaturated exactly exactly people are starting to learn you know you don't have to let everyone know because that's in the grand scheme of things that's i would say between 20 uh you know 2006 to about 2015 Social media was still really in its infancy, and that's when we got a lot of these people, you know, posting statuses on Facebook. I just took a bite of cereal, lol, and didn't really know what to do. Like, even I still look back on some of my Facebook memories from 2013 and I'm like, wow, I was such a teenage girl. <laughs> uh, well, here's still evolving because I mean, exactly, because honestly. If I was standing next to high school me right now, I would punch myself in my face. I'm the same way with college. I'd be like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> I wouldn't work with me. <laughs> but all but all is well, like I said. Um, basically, my whole journey is I took chances. I mean, the martial arts was kind of a reward for doing good in school, but everything stems from me learning martial arts. You know, because without the martial arts, I wouldn't have found. uh, Basically, you if in 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 a weird kind of ultimatum kind of way, Power Rangers influenced Skin Circuit. If you <laughs> want to look at the grand scheme of things, I think it inspired a lot of stunts, let alone martial arts. Without, regardless of anyone's connection to it, you know <laughs> exactly. But if you look at it and be like uh, the the TV show Power Rangers. And if I say, yes, Power Rangers was an influence on Skin Circuit, people are going to look at me and be like, how is that? But then I go back and I explain the story. Power Rangers got me into martial arts. Martial arts, you know, Power Rangers got me into martial arts films, and then I started doing martial arts, and then I started wanting to do my own martial arts films. If I give them the Reader's Digest version of that, then they're (laughs) like, okay, that makes sense. Very cool. But... I'm I'm very happy to uh I'm 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 happy with where my life is right now in terms of you know my personal life and and my film career at this point. And I've I've said this a whole lot of times and I still stand by it. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to have 10 million dollars in the bank. But if I could take my company and make movies and make enough money with those movies to support my wife and kid, then I would be happy. Okay, very cool. And like, I don't don't need to, I mean, sure, it would be nice to be known on all corners of the earth. But at the same time, I like my privacy. And my wife is also very private. So I would be happy to stay on the indie level just for a sense of privacy and like i said i don't need to have millions of dollars in the bank but if i had enough money in the bank to where i could support my wife and my kid then i'd be happy totally
2: Man. here's to forming that production company and making all these movies at your leisure you know <laughs>
3: That's that's the plan. Um, do a little bit of a plug real quick. My production company is called TKO Productions. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash TKO Productions LLC. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at TKO Prods LLC. That's P-R-O-D-S, Prods, T-K-O Prods LLC, because they wouldn't allow a long handle for that, so I had to shorten it. But you can find me on there. Uh you can find me on YouTube. My personal YouTube is a Braden D or actually no uh, YouTube is Braden White Ma. Uh you can find me on Facebook. My acting Facebook page is Braden White. Uh Braden White Actor Martial Artist. You my personal Instagram is Braden White Ma. My personal Twitter is Braden White M A. And with TKO Productions, basically what we are trying to do is show people that you do not need tens of thousands of dollars to make action movies. We're taking the resources that we have available to us, spending as little as possible, and we're making action movies. My first, my first film was my short film, Skin Circuit. I think I paid a total of like 600 bucks altogether for that, and it came out quite nicely. Uh, I'm on track for only spending a couple grand for Double Cross, and most of that is going towards food. Um, and then it's later on down the slate, yeah. Yes. A lot of people will work for free. No one will work for no food. Yep. But uh, after that, we plan on starting pre-production on the feature version of Skin Circuit. And then we have a couple other projects down the line. Um, a couple... Uh, a couple of them are inspired. There's a lot of my movies that I have that if you sat down and watched about three different movies, you'd be able to see like a lot of my movies are like a compilation of like three other movies. Nothing wrong with that. But it and so, <laughs> so we have a couple of those. I have one that's a little bit further down the pipeline. When I say a little bit further, I'm talking probably in the next two years or so. Um, that's it dives into the sci-fi a little bit and then I have one that um, I'm still I'm still shopping around to uh, my business partners to see if it's going to be feasible by business partners being my wife because she's co-owner of the business and uh, and my best friend from high school um, it's post-apocalyptic and it's a idea that based off of a short story I wrote whenever I was in the ninth grade And the idea just hit me the other day. I'm like, yeah, this would be a great movie. And so I'm still talking about that one to see if one, if it's physically possible to do it and to see if it's going to be monetarily feasible to do it. But we have a a slate of, I would say, about nine films that I'm not going to say that are in active pre-production, but we have... A list of nine films that we have to choose from if we want to and that list is continuously growing depending on who has an idea and what we're doing at the moment
2: either way you're serious about them something will happen
3: yes and like i said i have um my feature for skin circuit the script is done for that one um i'm currently working on two more scripts so i have two films that are in active pre-production right now well, let me rephrase that. I have one film that is getting ready to start production. Skin Circuit, the feature, I would say, is getting ready to start active pre-production, and I have two more films in the writing phase. So the next, I would say, four years or so, we're going to be pretty busy here at TKO Productions. Nothing can stop the uh, passion. <laughs> and that's literally what I do it for at this moment. If I make some money support my family then that's great but i i'm doing this right now because i genuinely love i genuinely love to do it we'll return after these messages
2: hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try they
0: must be destroyed on site
2: The new Podcast Cure All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns,
3: we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of...
0: They must be destroyed on sight!
3: As needed, and let the hosts,
2: Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host Cure What Ails you.
0: Warning may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, Pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Huh.
0: It
1: takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I got to find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. It's
0: unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this
1: just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little up. Little history, doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film.
0: Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brains warped watching this shit at twelve years old.
1: Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. A How did rough you one.
0: watch this shit at
1: twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sia.
2: Hey everybody! I'm Corey, and I'm Zach, and we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the '80s and
1: '90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. <laughs> it's it's do time. Do Let's do check do our cue, baby. Do do. <laughs>
0: Pair it with a couple boos, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We ooh, love your movies. Ooh, we love the bad ooh, ones
1: too. Ooh, 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 ooh. So we watch them all ooh, and pass their ooh, lessons ooh, on to you. Ooh, oh, yeah. Banap, 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 banounced.
0: Banap, banap, Everything I learned from movies. Helps to make life a little bit groovy. With are the one that's blot holes, a gratuitous movie. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven,
2: at eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program.
1: Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.